So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I've seen with my father and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. And they said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Thank you. Well, if you'll keep that Bible reading in front of you, I will refer to those verses by number as I go through. Firstly, can I join in saying Happy Father's Day to all the fathers uh, who are here today. Fatherhood is, is built into the very fabric of the universe and at least once a year of Father's Day, our society pauses to, to honour fathers as we should. Yet in the last generation, we've seen fatherhood in trouble as men have failed to live up to their responsibilities as fathers as women have reconsidered their relationship with men and as men have developed cold feet about the commitment needed to father children properly. In the last decade, there's been a bit of a movement back to recognise the importance of fathers and good fathering, yet for a whole variety of reasons, many people do not today like fatherhood. Some don't like fatherhood because their own father and the dreadful way in which he treated them. Some don't like fatherhood because it smacks of authority and they don't want any authority in relationships and so patriarchy has become one of the great sins of the world in their view. Some just simply want individualism. We don't want family, it's not just father. We don't want to carry the sins of our father 
Although I've noticed they don't mind inheriting the money when he dies. It's strange that over the last generation, we've had to reconsider something as basic and fundamental as fatherhood. The nature of fathers and the nature of fatherhood. And while fathers have an obvious place in procreation, there's much more to fathering than simply sperm. Fathering is a relationship with someone else. It's an activity. It's a verb, not just a noun. The dictionary gives three meanings, or the dictionary I consulted gave three meanings of what it meant to father. One, to beget offspring as a male parent. Two, to act as a father to somebody, especially giving advice, comfort and protection. Three, to create or found or establish something. That is, fathering involves raising up the next generation by educating them, advising them, introducing them into the world, equipping them for life, protecting them from the dangers of the world while they are still vulnerable, protecting them from the folly of their own immaturity while they are still young, and therefore discipling them, discipling children as they need it, providing for them and their needs while they are unable, caring for them with love that sometimes, frankly, only a parent can give. No institution, no government can really replace the individual care that comes within the family home. For from our father comes two things. We inherit, uh, not just his money when he dies, we inherit our place in the world. Our way of life comes from him. And secondly, we grow in his likeness, as we should and as we should honour him, together with our mother. Please turn then to this passage before us in John 8, where we see three fathers being discussed. And in each we're going to see the father's inheritance and the father's, the children's likeness to their father. The first of the men is Abraham. His name means father of many though he only really had one son. In fact, for many years his name was Father, Abram. And if you met him in the street, you'd say, hello, what's your name? He'd say, my name's Father. And you'd say, oh, that's interesting. How many children you've got? And he said, none. Which is a slightly embarrassing name, don't you think? When he did have a son called Isaac, his, his name meant joke. Uh, which doesn't help, but he was a bit of a joke, wasn't he? Because his father was old enough to be his great-grandfather by the time he came along. He had another father through, he fathered another child, Ishmael, through a servant girl. But at this stage of his life, Abraham, the father of many, didn't seem to be. In Genesis chapter 12, we're told that God promised Abraham the whole world. The whole world and all the history of humanity is going to revolve around you and your family. It was a big claim. Here's a man, a Bedouin, a, a tent dweller, who spent his own life actually owning very little. He, 
he claims that God spoke to him and said the future of humanity depends on your relationship with your children and the world's relationship with you and your offspring. A bloke turning up saying that you'd think was a nutter, especially when he didn't have anything going for him but a tent. It seems a ridiculous claim. And yet, today, 4,000 years later, people are fighting over his inheritance. Israel and the Jews claim to be the true heirs of Abraham through Isaac, Abraham's son by his wife Sarah, and Jacob the grandson. Islam also claims to be the true heirs of Abraham through Ishmael, Abraham's other son through his slave woman, slave girl, Hagar. And Christians, we also claim to be the true heirs of Abraham through Jesus, Abraham's son by promise. The world revolves around the issue of who is Abraham's son. This promise given to this tent dweller 4,000 years ago is still true and alive in the current affairs of our world. Here in John 8 is the debate about who is Abraham's true son, true heir. And Jesus challenges some Jews who had previously believed in Jesus to continue believing in him. For to continue in Jesus is freedom and life. But the Jews were offended. At the, they were offended at the idea that Jesus could give them freedom. Look to verse 33. Verse 33. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you can say you'll become free? Abraham was a great father. He offered and provided the inheritance that would be the blessing to all nations. So how can you say that we Jews are somebody's slaves? We're the ones who inherit the world. What's this business about us being slaves? How little did they remember their own Bible? How little did they remember or even understand Abraham's descendants were the slaves in Egypt whom God rescued by Moses. Abraham's descendants were the slaves in Babylon, whom God rescued by the pagan Cyrus. Abraham's descendants were, at this very time, the slaves in their own country under the Roman Empire. And here they're saying, we're the offspring of Abraham, and we've never been enslaved by anyone. They'd lived most of the centuries since the time of Abraham in one form of slavery or another. But the slavery Jesus was talking of was much more profound and universal than that. For he was talking about the spiritual slavery that every human being has to sin. Look at verse 34. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. That slavery is like an addiction requiring no chains no prisons no guards no whips no shackles because it's self-imposed it's self-reinforced 
It's the slavery that affects us all. As we all fail to do the good that we want to do and we keep on doing the things that we're embarrassed and ashamed that we ever did. That is the slavery that Jesus came to liberate us from and to set us free. But these men didn't bear the children's likeness to Abraham. And certainly they were his physical descendants. They were his offspring in that sense. Verse 37, Jesus says, I know that you are the offspring of Abraham. Yes, that's right. But that didn't make them like Abraham. It's your behavior that makes you like him, that makes you the chip off the old block, that makes you the true heir of Abraham. Look to verse 39. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you'd be doing the works that Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. That's not what Abraham did. See, when Abraham heard the word of God, extraordinary and preposterous as the word was, he didn't seek to kill the messenger, but rather he believed the message and so became the father of all who trust God. He believed the word of God. He obeyed the message of God. And he based his whole life upon it. And he continued in the message all the days of his life, never having received what was promised, always looking forward to it coming. The day when he would receive in full the promise. The Jews that Jesus was dealing with here in, in, Mark, in John chapter 8 were nothing like Abraham. They may have been descended from him, but they didn't have the family similarity. Because when they heard the message, they wanted to kill the messenger. They weren't listening to the message. They weren't building their life on the message. They were rejecting the message because they were not like Abraham at all. They were not the sons of Abraham. The second father that's mentioned in this passage is God. Jesus points out the contrast between sons and slaves. The son remains in the house forever, but the slave is only there for a while. It's the son who can therefore free the slaves if he wishes to. Verse 36 Verse 36, so if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. He, Jesus, is claiming to be the Son of God the Father. The Son who can set the slaves free. Who can set free those who are slaves to sin. The slaves don't get their father's inheritance because it's not their father, they're the slaves. You need to become a son to be the heir. And Jesus was teaching that he, the son, could free them from their slavery and bring them into sonship of God. <clears throat> Freed from the slavery, freed from sin, from its power, from its guilt, from its condemnation. And so Jesus claims that verse, verse 36. If the Son sets you free, 
you will be free indeed. But they didn't recognize Jesus as God's son or value the inheritance that he came to share with them. They didn't recognize their slavery. They didn't recognize him as the son. They didn't welcome the freedom that he was offering. Friends, it's still the same case today. All around the world and in this nation in particular, the death and resurrection of Jesus has won for us freedom, has overcome Satan and sin, defeated death and decay, and yet people don't value what Jesus has done. For like addicts, we're slaves to sin, who in our pride insist that we're not addicts, we're free, and insist that we've never been slaved and do not want the freedom. I don't know if you've ever been to addicts meetings like Alcoholics Anonymous and the like. I've taken many of my friends along there as a supporter. And one of the great problems of dealing with alcoholic addiction is the deception that I'm not an addict. I'm not an alcoholic. Until people can reach the point of saying, I am an alcoholic, they are never actually freed from their alcoholism. Sin is exactly the same. As long as I think I'm good enough for God, I never am. <laughs> I actually have to see that the good I want to do, I don't do, and the bad I don't want to do, I rationalize away because I keep doing it. I've got to see that I am not free. I am actually addicted, enslaved. Once I acknowledge that, then I'm welcoming the news that the Son can set me free. The Jews claim to be God's children, to bear the children's likeness of God. So towards the end of verse 41 there, Jesus said to them, verse 41, you are doing the works your father did. They said, we were not born in sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. But Jesus rejects their view of themselves. For their behavior is nothing like the children of God. Verse 42. If God were your father, you'd love me for I came from God and I'm here. I came not of my own accord. He sent me. Why don't you understand what I say? It's because you cannot bear to hear my word. The children of God will recognize the genuine voice of their father. Recognize it and welcome it. Just for those of us who are over a certain age, I won't say what in particular, but those of us who are of that age, do you remember the little dog listening to the big loudspeaker thing? And remember which company used that as their logo? His master's voice. The dog was fascinated that out of the machine came his master's voice because the dog recognized his master's voice. The children of God will recognize the voice of God, the words of God. But those who are not the children of God, they don't recognize 
their master's voice. Those of you who are under a certain age, sorry about that illustration, ask your grandparents. The children of God recognise the genuine voice of their father. They hear it, they believe it, they obey it. As Jesus says there in verse 47, whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you don't hear them is that you're not of God. Jesus was the true son of God for he came teaching what his father had given him to teach. Verse 38, I speak, down the bottom page there, I speak of what I have seen with my father and you do what you have heard from your father. Or again in verse 42, Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you'd love me for I came from God, I'm here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. They were not the same family, for they didn't have the same family likeness. They neither spoke nor heard God's word. It's the sign of being in the family of God that you rejoice in his word. What if God wasn't their father? Who was their father? At this point, Jesus makes a bold and what we today would call politically incorrect, offensive, hate-filled statement. Because he said there's a third father, the devil. And that's your father. I, I think it's about as rude as you can get, isn't it? You know, I know your father. He's the devil. You're the children of Satan. I'm not quite sure he can say that in any politically correct fashion, can you? I think Jesus would be up before anti-discrimination boards like a rocket. And he certainly would be sacked from Australian Rugby Union. He said, hey, you are the children of the devil. But it was Jesus who said it. And he said it because he was speaking the truth in love. For if it's true, then he was offering liberation from your father, the devil. And that's critically important. You see, you mustn't take the insult. When it comes, you should take stock and check if it's true or not. Don't just immediately get offended. Stop and think. It could be true. And if it's true, the person who said it is to be thanked for taking such courage and boldness to care for you enough to actually risk the relationship by saying it to you. Please, please get rid of our thin skins. Toughen up, buttercup. Listen to what's being said. Jesus is speaking the truth. I guess I better clarify a few things about the devil at this point because the devil doesn't go around with an opera coat and horns and, and a tail and, and, and pitchfork. The devil does exist. He's personal, evil and always rebellious against God. A spiritual being. He's not a figure of fun. He doesn't mind being a figure of fun because that's a wonderful lie that will deceive people. 
Some people take too much of the devil, they see him all the time everywhere. Some people take too little of the devil and pretend he's not there at all. He's there and his influence is felt by all people. Usually without being aware of him. For he encourages us to do the very evil things we want to do. He never has to work against the grain with me. You see, I'm a sinful man. And he suggests to me sinful things. Well, as a sinful man, I don't mind those things. The very things he suggests for me to do are the very things that in my heart I want to do. So I'm never very much conscious of him because he's never asking me to do anything other than what I would like to do, namely sin. And so very unconsciously he's at work. Now the children of the devil have their father's inheritance. And what's the... What What's the inheritance the, the devil gives you? Slavery. Slavery to sin. The addiction to that which you always wanted. Self-centeredness. The Bible describes him as working within the sons of disobedience so that we follow his ways willingly. It's the trouble with an addiction, isn't it? be it to substance like tobacco or alcohol or heroin or be it to activities like pornography or gambling or lying or envy or jealousy it's the we are willing slaves because we're being invited to do the thing that we I mean we hate the times the consequences we hate seeing the disastrous effects of our lies, of our cheating, of our stealing, of our, of, of our hatreds, of our envy. We, we hate the effects, but generally we enjoy the activity when it's happening. Generally it's all right, you see, lying to ourselves all the time. Well, I'm not addicted. I could stop this if I wanted to. It's just this is the easiest way to live. I'll go with the flow, go with the current. It's just easier that way. Sin is such a slavery. It's full of lies and deceit and brings such destruction of our family, of our health, of our life, of our society, of, of us. For deceit is the central character of our father, the devil. And so the children's likeness is to him. Look what Jesus says there. We're, Verses 44, you are the, your father, sorry, you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning and doesn't stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. See, the devil's power is not magical. It's not kind of some magnetic force that he can draw you by. He doesn't have to do that. The devil's power is over life and death, but it's derived from lies. And you give him the power when you believe his lies. He was a liar from the beginning. In the Garden of Eden, he lied to the woman. That's all he did. And she believed his lies. 
And once you believe the lie of the evil one, you hand your life over to him. And you build your life on the basis of deceit. And nothing goes right from there on. From the beginning, truth was sacrificed. Our humanity was built on lies and death was inevitable. These were the people that Jesus was talking to who one day would be just like their father the devil. They'd cry out, crucify him, crucify him. And would we not have joined in the crowd calling out? Are we so free from lies that we never speak any? That we always say the truth? I mean, is there anybody here who has never told a lie? Would you like to put your hand up and tell another one now? And why do we tell lies? We don't like lies being told to us. We don't like telling lies. We work so hard to teach our children, tell the truth. But there's part of the hypocrisy of liars, isn't it? What made us tell lies? Nothing. I did. I chose to. Do exactly what my father Satan wanted me to. And confronted by the truth, would we not have rejected the Lord Jesus? For is that not what we are tempted to even now? <laughs> For who is your father? Actually, the question should be, which is your father? For everybody is either a son of God or the son of the devil and will receive the inheritance of life and freedom from God or slavery and death from the devil. And everyone who is the son of God is the son of Abraham through whom the promises of God were given. So which is your father? Are you a child of Abraham and therefore of the son of Abraham through the promises that God has given? Is that who you are? Are you a child of Abraham set free from the slavery of sin by the death and resurrection of Jesus? Or are you still a child of the devil? Still believing his lies? Still dying in the slavery to sin and with its inevitable mortality? Jesus came promising that all who continue in his word will know the truth. And the truth they know will set them free from their slavery and bring them into the family of God. For God is our Father. That is a big call, isn't it? It's by his death on the cross he paid the penalty. By his resurrection he created the new life. So which is your father? For ultimately we all belong to one of those two families. With that inheritance and that likeness. So which is yours? God is your father, isn't it fantastic? 
But if God is not your father, Satan is. And isn't that awful? Would you like to change families? Because you can, through the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's so simple. You just have to turn back to God the Father and ask to join his family. Oh, you've got to turn back. You've got to say, okay, I'm going to leave that way of life. I'm not going to live this way anymore. I'm going to turn back from that because I want the forgiveness that God the Father gives me in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want him now to be my ruler. It's as simple as that. Show you how simple it is. I'm going to lead in prayer. And I'm going to pray the kind of prayer that you need to pray to change families. That's what I'm going to do. I'll invite you to pray it with me. Just in the quietness of your own mind. I'll pray it really slowly so you can repeat it in your own mind, phrase by phrase, as you, as you hear me praying it. Let's pray, shall we? Dear God, I know I'm not worthy to be accepted by you. I don't deserve your gift of eternal life. I'm guilty of rebelling against you. I need your forgiveness. For the sins of my life. Thank you. Thank you for sending your son to die for me. That I may be forgiven. Thank you that he rose from the dead. To give me new life. Please, God, forgive me. Please, God, change me. That I may live with Jesus as King and you as my Father. And I ask it through Jesus the Lord. Amen.